Scottish Mortgage Podcast, Invest in Progress, is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at New Model Advisor. I'm joined today by data reporter Alicia Hagopian. And today we're talking about the challenges and opportunities in starting your own financial planning business in 2024. Joining us is two people who've done just that, Rob Schwartz and Scott Miller from Finova Money. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Um, I want to start by asking you, Rob, um, just generally about um, starting your own business, um, the opportunities, the challenges you found, and what you'd say to anyone else encouraged to do the same. Yeah, good question. So we've been on a bit of a journey in the last the last year, really, um, from leaving the firm where we uh, were before to setting up and now running a business. And um, probably the easiest way to talk about it is the three different stages that we've, we've been through. So, and this might help other people as well who are maybe thinking of leaving a firm to set up their own business. So the, the, the initial stage that we kind of went through was around thinking of leaving. Okay, so of course this stage, there's a lot of thinking that goes into this stuff because you don't want to get it wrong. So I guess initially was around doing research. So figuring out the type of business that we wanted to to build. You know, simple things like, do we go as an appointed representative or directly authorized, for example? Um, what are the types of costs involved that we can be expected to pay? You know, what, is our, what are our own personal situations, you know, with regards to cash flow, for example? So you kind of had an idea in my mind to do that research. And then really for us, it was around, well, leaving amicably, so leaving the old firm again. Um, and then really we had this transitionary period throughout the summer where we uh, set the business up. And I call it the bit in between, which is where we're building the business. We don't have clients that we're dealing with yet. We still need getting FCA authorized. Uh, the blinkers are off though in this stage. So it's quite exciting. And this is where the opportunities start to come in, where we've got the freedom to explore and build the type of business that we, we can be really proud of. So, you know, this is where we're getting stuck into things like, like what's the sort of pricing structure we, we want to uh, implement, the the tech stack that we want to use, what was the investment proposition that we, we want for our clients, platform choice, processes, procedures, this sort of stuff. Um, you know, we decided to join Sense as an appointed representative. Um, for a couple of reasons for us, but you know, importantly, it was speed to to get up and running, uh, and costs. And when we compared the two between AR and DA, it, it made a lot of sense for us. Excuse the pun. Um, so yeah, we we kind of spent a few months in the summer just getting our heads together with how we wanted to do it, uh, how we wanted it to look, how we wanted to feel, the marketing, getting the actual brand behind it, um, and then kind of got up and running really in September, twenty twenty three. And that was really then when we started to refine it as we went. So once you start to have clients coming through the door, I think you realize you have this theory of what the business looks like and then in practice what the business is. So having clients, the guinea pig clients, we call them, um, you know, figuring it out, what that process looks like from start to finish, really refining it as we go. Um, and it, it's been a real journey. You know, there's there's loads of opportunities. There's been lots of challenges as well. But I've, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we took the plunge. And so far, so good. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've touched on a lot of interesting things, which I'm sure that we will discuss um, throughout the podcast. I, it's interesting to me that you were all working at a firm together. 
So you already had this sort of professional relationship with the three of you. And I think I'd love to know if there was sort of a moment that you you decided, because I'm sure that you had been discussing this for some time, so a moment that you decided, you know, this is the moment, this is when it would be the right time to leave, the conditions are right for us to start our own business. Because, you know, I mean, how long did those conversations go on for before you actually decided to take the plunge? For us, I think we all we'd all worked there for a number of years five six years and I think it got to the point we'd all progressed in our careers and we got to a stage of sort of like what's next and those conversations were happening with the firm that we were at they ended up not going in the in the in the direction that that we wanted them to and maybe the direction that the resulting the our old firm didn't want them to go into but that's absolutely fine for us and I think it just got to the point where we said actually when what are we going to do next we're at a great great firm any move we were going to make was just going to be a sideways, if not backwards move. And so we decided that actually now was the right time for us. Actually, let's give this a go. We're all young. We all had a discussion, as Rob quite rightly pointed, uh, uh, sort of alluded to, which is around our personal circumstances. And we just made the decision that actually we could probably get give this a good go for 12, 12 to 24 months and see where we're at. And if, we, and if it doesn't work out, and I think that was one of the things we set out and agreed at the start is that we were going to be completely transparent. And if things didn't work out or they weren't going well, we were going to talk about them. And therefore, not under this illusion that everything you see online is everything is wonderful and great that you maybe you see from businesses that actually there are some really tough times that come with this. Setting up has been difficult, very, very, very enjoyable, very rewarding in parts, but in, in sure Rob will agree, equally in other parts, very difficult, very testing uh, and, and a lack of patience as well in, in certain areas. So I think it was just a case of, look, let's try and give this a go. Now feels like the right time. Our circumstances, personally, we could all sort of take this risk um, and then we decided, let's just let's just go for it. Rob, I'm uh, interested in something you said earlier about, um, you know, becoming part of the Sense Network as opposed to sort of going directly authorised. Could you speak a little bit about that choice, really, uh, and what Sense sort of offers you? Uh, you know, we hear a lot from um, from all sorts of people in the industry about the burden of, of regulation um, and how that's and how that affects the business, how it affected the starting of the business, rather. I think we were. Uh... A fairly interesting point when we started the business, or at least we were thinking of launching the business and getting registered, because it was kind of dovetailed quite nicely with consumer duty. Um, and, you know, we, we'd, we'd all learned how to do the technical job of a financial planner, and we'd all done the other roles of administrator and, and technical analyst or power planner, but n- neither of a, none of us had been a business owner before. Um, so there were definitely gaps in our armory of things that we perhaps weren't expert on yet that we had to learn. And when we had a look at both options, it was really around, well, is there a plugin right now that's going to allow us to kind of plug those gaps in our armory to be able to get up and operational with the right support behind us? Um, and, And the AR route for us looked like that perfect option, really. You know, it meant that a lot of the work that Sense had done already with their other firms that they look after with regards to consumer duty was there, ready to kind of plug into the business. It meant that there were, you know, kind of templates for a lot of the stuff that we wanted to do anyway, which saved time. You know, it meant that um, the, the training that we needed with certain systems was there and available to us. We've had a brilliant support network from them to be able to lean on and help us with regards to things like IO, uh, you know, how to just get set up, how to use the thing, for example. Um, and 
yeah, that was a bit of a an interesting start really to figure it out. We also had a, a chat with another, com- another couple of people who were kind of looking at the directly authorized route. And, and really, when we just looked at the two next side by side, it was kind of like, well, yeah, costs to get up and running. You know, AR was in our favor. Um, speed to get up and running. AR was in our favor. Our FCA applications came back within a week, for example. So that was great. It meant you know, really speedy. Um, you know, and support as well. We don't want to make mistakes as early on, right? We want to learn how to do this job properly. And with the support of Sense, it's just allowed us to do that. There's a lot of variation, I think, between which network you're joining. So I'm just curious how much with Sense specifically, how much independence there is, how much you feel like they're actually actively involved in your business. Um, or whether it's really just a compliance function? That's a good question as well. Um, to be honest, we ca- we came from, me and Rob have had experience in a directly authorised firm when we first started our career, then went into another firm that was authorised by a network, an appointed rep, and then obviously now Sense. And for us, what was what, one of the reasons we went with Sense was that because of the level of independence they do give you. So there was no sway on which platform providers you use, how you want to run your investment proposition, how you want to charge for your service. And I think that was one of the biggest drivers for us. Yes, it's a compliance function, but it's actually been so much more than that. It's been a lot of tech support from them that they've helped us with. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I just want to speak for a moment about, um, you know, the offering of the business, how the business works. Um, Could you talk us a little bit through um, the... Um, subscription uh, approach, Rob, uh, and also how that affects, you know, the type of clients that you bring through. You mentioned it already, there's that. But one, we get to work with more people, different types of people as well. So by removing the need to have lots of money under management, it means that we can really work with people who need proper financial planning. So I'm thinking people like, you know, young business owners who we get on really well with, where we can add massive value to them and their, their business and their business partners but rightly so, don't have heaps of money to invest perhaps right now. So it, it removes that need and means that we can work with them uh, on, an, on an ongoing basis. It also removes, second part is it, it removes all of the conflicts of interest that, um, that exist on the AUM model. So we know as a subscription business, we can hand on heart say that we work with clients best interest in mind there really is no kind of conflict of oh you want to take this money out of investment to pay off a mortgage but therefore my fee is going to diminish if you do that but actually if it's going to make you feel better and in in your plan it works that's probably the right thing to do so these are the sort of things that we were grappling with we think it's a lot fairer than percentage-based fees you only need to do a a few calculations to see the impact that that percentage-based fees have on long-term returns of investments um one of the things that we, we we do have at the moment, which is what we're removing, because uh, you, you kind of you give all those pros, and, and I think this was probably a, a bit of a learning curve for us. Um, you know, we did have a small AUM fee in addition to that, which was for investment management. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're actually going to be removing that. Okay, and and I think the reason why is because. And again, as I said at the start, you refine it as you start going. You have, a, in theory, how the business is going to work and operate. You then have clients going through this process, you know, and the conversations that we've had with clients are, are brilliant when we talk about the, the, the way that we, we price you know, on a subscription basis, but still with a small 0.25% of AUM, it still didn't feel right. So again, one of the refinements that we're making over the next few weeks is just scrapping that all together. So we will be in the next few weeks a fully fixed fee subscription based business it's something different but actually i think that you know more advice firms than you might think are offering fixed fees whether that's for you know initial consultations or ongoing advice or one-off advice um and something that i would be really curious to know about 
your business specifically is when you went and broke off and started a new business you had to sort of start your client bank from scratch in a way um how did that work and how did the fact that you had fixed fees play into that was it a benefit was it a downside were there some clients who maybe approached you and were confused about the fee model or did it attract a certain type of client to you you'd be amazed at the reaction from especially older advisors that that seem to want to pick this apart um you know scott and i were at a conference fairly recently uh, talking at a conference and um there was a chap that approached us afterwards and said i read your article online and i see what you're up to remind me again how you price your services so we explained it to him and the response was that will never work you know the you're you're leaving too much cash on the table because you could be earning more from a percentage based model uh and you've got if you're making it really transparent about the value you add you better be sure that you're adding value to a client why would you want to put that risk <laughs> and i said well that's exactly why we've done it maybe it's the cynic in me but i i think when we i don't think it's a surprise that there aren't more firms doing this sadly and i think you know older advisors perhaps that are critiquing it and maybe are worried about preserving profits on their sort of aum models right i'll put my hands up and say i'm probably being a cynic here but close to an exit right and uh you know you're, you're winding up your business or selling to an acquirer and you all of a sudden change your pricing model to benefit your clients on it but it means that your profits are going to get hit then funnily enough you're probably not going to sell your business for as much so you know when i talk about innovation and, and change in the profession i i personally don't think it will come until this sort of generation of advisors have, have hung up their boots who, who are perhaps the ones that are resisting this change as, as much as others you know there haven't been any younger advisors i've spoken to for example who have said this won't work so uh yeah i think just just from experience that's how i've noticed anyway clients seem to love it younger advisors seem to love it certain people don't i, I do just want to jump in there because um you know i agree with a lot of what you're saying and i also think that there might be a generational thing of if you've come up in this industry under a certain model of course you're going to want to continue onto that model um because that's what you know but i think it would be good if we sort of represented a bit of what maybe some of the concerns would be from a percentage fee standpoint which i think we also discussed before a bit maybe rob which is that one of them being that this upfront or not upfront, um, fixed fee model can sort of lend itself to maybe one-off or initial consultations for advice. And, you know, you were talking about how, whether that has been a concern for you, that because you don't have a percentage fee, whether that sort of doesn't lend itself to ongoing advice or not. It's going to enhance the service they get that they might not get somewhere else, or if they do get somewhere else, it's not a big enough pull for them to leave us and so on. I think it comes down to that that point around how do we demonstrate as much value as possible? It's on us. It's the accountability, um, and I, and that's why I think we've we, we've got it. The consumer duty came at a good time for us, allowed us to really um, focus on how we wanted to do things anyway. So yeah, I think to, to in response to that question, Zach, it was just. It's just the natural evolution for us. Firms who are under an SJP model, firms that are under a network. The reason I separate SJP and a network out, they are an own entity in themselves. It's not a dig. Um, and whether they're, we, we go for someone like Sense they look at, they look at someone who's a, who's a network like True Potential, who have to use their stuff. I would be very keen if they could get a, a, a fair screenshot across all firms of clients and see how their clients determine the value they get. Um, but will they do that? <laughs> 
I don't know. I think, you know, the FCA does outsource a lot of data collection on like consumer um, consumer perspectives. But I, I actually am curious whether they go to clients of existing major firms, for example, and really ask specific people about their their um their judgment of value but i think you know i think going into that going into 2024 where we are now you've just started your firm and i was just wondering if you could maybe speak a bit honestly about what you found that those challenges are specific to this year for example specific to the last 12 months and also where you see that there will be if i'm an advisor looking to start an advice firm in the next year where you think that there are some really real gaps in the market where you that you'd look for kind of high level market or just general global picture for the next 12 months you know of, of course there's political instability of course markets are volatile you know the, the media loves to not dig at you guys the media loves to sensationalize things not not you guys though but the, you know it does a wonderful job at doing it so there's that that happens year in year out i don't think that you know there is always a crisis there's always something that people are worried about and it's always something you know a client will always talk to us about their worries and concerns um so it's our job to kind of navigate that and the in terms of the the sort of way the the challenges that we've faced and because our fee isn't pinned to the assets that we have under management we can just be more um pragmatic with the advice that we give real time in order to allow clients to navigate the world as it currently is you know more confidently so you know if a client for example not that this this is just an example this isn't a client of ours but if if an example was that a client who was coming to the end of a fixed rate on a mortgage there was a lump left on it and you know it was it was a low rate and it was going to come to a high rate and they had cash to pay for it uh you know and it, primary concern and uh, you know to pay off the mortgage and they had the funds to do it but they were invested and again we can be objective about whether or not that makes the right the right sense to do that without that sort of niggling feeling of oh hold on a minute if i take 200 grand out of that investment my fee is going to go down by 2k a year that's quite a plummet on a percentage model hmm you know i'm not saying that people are always conflicted but you can that you can't deny that there has to be a level of conflict so i think being allowing us to to kind of remove ourselves from the the assets we manage or don't manage you know we don't make that a requirement for clients or if they want to DIY and manage it themselves, right? We, we give people the options. It just means that these sort of challenges that we seem to face year in, year out, can we can navigate that, um, yeah, more, more pragmatically, more proactively. We keep on top of the metrics in terms of how many people we meet versus how many people we, you know, go ahead to do our design and build versus how many people go ahead to our ongoing service. And the, the rate is... Uh, is very high which you know it, for us is, is extremely positive but i think when you talk about this stuff passionately and it, it's what you enjoy and you're the owner of the business then it kind of you, you tend to have that magnetism and attract the right sort of people who want to work with you so yeah a lot of door knocking a lot of uh speaking to people and, and making them aware of what you're trying to do and do it differently and, and just do it relentlessly to be honest yeah thank you so much that sounds like a great note to end on um rob scott thank you so much for joining me Thank you, Thank you much. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself and data reporter Alicia Hagopian. Today we were joined by Rob Schwartz and Scott Miller, co-founders of Fanova Money. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at cityware.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and we see you next week. 
The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk.